We are thankful for so many aspects of the service. None of them are by accident. But having said that, we lean very heavily on the Lord's involvement as things take place that perhaps we were not planning. Uh, We very much so. And I was praying with one of our uh, individuals this morning before church and that's what we had talked about while things come our way that maybe we weren't planning before today we count very much so on the involvement of the Holy Spirit and so with that said would you bow your heads one more time with me and we will ask for God's clear involvement in our time as we open his word precious father who knew our names before you even created this earth the one that knows all things, the one that loves, the one that is just, and you, Father, who are patient. You, Father, have such wonderful wisdom, and we thank you in your wisdom for giving us this place to assemble today. We thank you that you've brought us here, and we thank you that we can gather, worshiping you because of the wonderful change that has taken place in our lives, because of the gospel. And also as we can gather around something that is so beautiful and precious, your word. Would you please bless that time now. May the Holy Spirit be clearly involved, just weaving his way in and out throughout the pews, touching hearts and and sparking minds as we look at what you have told us in your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. There are some individuals that I'm a little bit jealous of, just a little tiny bit. There are some of you that are on the cutting edge of modern slang when it comes to this technology. I'm going to let you know right off the bat that I am not one of these. Every once in a while, I'm reminded that I am genuinely an old soul. I've had an individual uh, well past my um, age give me instruction on how to use my phone. Um, So I have to accept that in life. This came up, this area of the modern technology talk, not too long ago when I learned something, and I mention it for this reason, because I learned something new this week, and hopefully it will help us to connect what we're trying to learn from God's Word today. Let me take you back several months ago when I was at the doctor's office, and I was there, and I was with my son for an appointment, and as we were there in the doctor's office, I was trying to calm him down, and so I said something kind of funny, I thought, and then I just said, I'm just joshing. Just like that. Well, what I said was totally lost when I said just joshing because apparently that's not what people say today. Nobody says just joshing, nor do they say it back in the 90s either, I don't think. But having said that, I said just joshing, and I was quickly corrected. People don't say just joshing anymore. They say, do any of you know what they say today? If you do, say it out loud. They say, JK. Yes, thank you for those of you who are with me. JK, I did not know what that meant. Does anybody here raise your hand if you know what JK means? Oh, okay, all right. Just kidding, just kidding, JK. And I thought this was something that was ridiculous, so the doctor actually walked in the room, and the first question I asked him was, I said, hey, doctor, I said, do you know what JK stands for? And he said, yeah, just kidding, just like that. And so I felt, once again, taken back. This past week, I received a text message, and without help from another I figured it out. I did. I received it and I showed it to my wife and she didn't know what it meant either. And here's what the initials were and I want you to hang on to this for about halfway through our study. The initials that I received in my text message, I said something and the person responded back, I-K-R. 
raise your hand if you know what IKR stands for. I'm looking for anybody much older than me. Okay, I don't, not, not too many. All right, okay. All right, you're not much older. All right, IKR. So I said something, and they were affirming that, and they said IKR, which stands for I know, right? Just like that. You gotta have the tone in there. I know, right? Now, we are one of the best informed congregations in the world, aren't we? Because now, if you forget everything of what the Bible says from our lesson today, but you know that, I'll consider it a failure, but come back next week and hopefully we'll improve on that. I know, right? We're going to look at that in just a few moments and touch on it just for a second, and I want to recommend that there is a communication that could be going on between the church, God's people, and, are you ready for this group? The angels, with this message that might, we might say to the angels, I know, right? And vice versa. The angels, if they could give us a text message today, which they can't, in case you're not clear on that, they might say to us, I know, right? Or I-K-R. Today we're going to come to a section where the angels are talked about just for a moment, but I think it will be helpful for us. And also, it might be helpful for you to know that we're going to talk about you today. We're going to talk about a, an important, a subject that's very important to some of you, and that is you. Now, I don't say that to be mean or anything or to assume that anybody's conceited, but it is, I think, a truth. Here, let me explain it this way. If, we were to take, if I were to take a, a panoramic picture right here of everybody here and then post it in the hallway right after the service and you were to go and look for that, who is the very first person that you would look for in that picture? It would be you. That's okay. You need to be an expert on yourself. You are an expert on yourself on your favorite foods. You know what you like, even before you put it in your mouth. You're an expert on the leisure that you enjoy. You're an expert on, you know, some of you even have a route that you go when you go to a shopping center or to the grocery store. You go a certain direction, a certain way every time. Not everyone is a creature of habit, but most of us are. Just look at where you're sitting today. Did you know that's how I take mental attendance here at the church? By looking at you and you, and you will throw me off. If, I, if you sit somewhere different, I might ask you, where have you been for the past month? Because you were sitting over there or up there. That's how we keep track. The fact is, we are, most of us, creatures of habit. And so then... When a change is made, we are left to deal with that. And whether you deal with it well or you don't deal with it well, it's going to come across everyone's path. This can be difficult change. Let me go ahead and give you my challenge for today. This is kind of what I'm aiming for as we get to the end of our time. My challenge for you today is to be thankful for the blessing of being in the church that Christ has established. Not only do I want you to be thankful from what we're going to study, but I want you to be very, very careful with how you move forward so that you do not get into a rut. And by rut, I'm going to point us back to the Jews. The Jews, just before Christ went to the cross and a little bit after that, and a rut that they had gotten into that I think if we are not careful we can get into the same dangerous kind of place. 
Now I need to give you one word to set this up. For some of you, this word will be familiar. For others, it might be new. But it's helpful for us, and if you have a King James Version, you're gonna see this word right in verse number two of our text. The word is dispensation, dispensation. Let me define that for us. A dispensation is a method of interpreting, of, of interpreting history that defines God's work and purposes towards mankind in different periods of time. Okay, so a dispensation, we can divide up from day one when God created the world up until the last day when he finally will reign forever without any hindrance of sin and his work has been accomplished. Everything in between is divided up into what we call dispensations. There is, for example, the dispensation of innocence. This was the time prior to sin, the dispensation of innocence. There's the dispensation of the law, and this started in the book of Exodus, and it ran all the way up until Pentecost. And then we find the dispensation that we live in today, and that's the dispensation of grace. And if you did not have anything else to be thankful to God for today that you've been able to think of, thank God that you live in the dispensation, the time of grace where he can let you know what you need to have fellowship with him and you can accept that gift of salvation. And this, will, this um, dispensation will end at, at, during the rapture of the church. Now, when Paul talks to the believers that he talks to today, he is primarily talking to Gentiles, the church at Ephesus. And so this was a time different than our day 2,000 years ago, they had just changed from the dispensation of the law to the dispensation of grace. And hang on, if I'm losing anybody, just hang on. It's gonna get clear here in just a moment. So the Apostle Paul writes to the Gentiles and he says, we talked about previously in chapter two, verse 16, what God is doing is he is killing the hostility between the two. And my challenge for you is going to be something like this. As Paul addressed the Gentile and said, you need to understand that God has put, da- put away those differences, what I want us to understand is that the Jews had handled the Gentiles, everyone outside of their people group, and treated them like dirt. We talked about that last time. We might even ask the question, did the Jews share the love of God with others? Or did the Jews turn people off to their God? That's a pretty obvious answer, but I'm gonna turn that question to us today. And I'm going to say, you being a steward of the love of God, are you acting in a way that is displaying the love of God and drawing others that are on the outside looking in to God, to the church, to the members, to, to, to God's family, Or are you one that is turning people off because of pride or a judgmental spirit? These are the questions that we'll ask today. And if you and I are stewards of God's love, I want to challenge us to take this very seriously. If you're not already there, this brings us to our text, which is Ephesians chapter three. Please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter three. If you um, do not have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. Ephesians 3 is found on page 1,122. 
1122 of that Pew Bible. And if you do not own a Bible, we want you to take that Bible and keep that. It's our desire that anybody that comes through our doors um, has a Bible of their own. So please take that Bible as a gift from us to you. We're here in Ephesians chapter 3, continuing our study. And I'll talk about the first verse just for a moment, and then it totally changes directions, okay? In the first verse, we find that Paul starts with a prayer for spiritual power for the Ephesian believers. And then before he gets into the second verse, he interrupts himself. There he goes again with run-on sentences. He interrupts himself here. And the interruption that he feels is appropriate at this time is a more detailed explanation of the church or what he calls here the mystery. And we're gonna talk about why he called it the mystery in just a moment. If you're taking notes, we're gonna divide this into four different categories today. And the first one is the recipient of the mystery. Let's talk about the recipient of the mystery. I'm gonna read verses one through four, seven through nine, and then verse 13 for us to talk about the recipient. Here it is. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Let's go ahead and skip down to verse 7. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Skip to verse 13. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Okay, let's stop right there. God had revealed to the Apostle Paul something that had not yet been revealed. Many of you love studying prophecy and you love seeing how some of those things were talked about and thousands of years later they came to fruition. And we live in a day of the church. This is a pretty big deal for quite a few of us. And so it might confuse us that we don't find any kind of teaching pointing us to the church in the Old Testament, nothing that would be clear anyway. And that's why it's called a mystery here. And God reveals the mystery of the church to the Apostle Paul. And remember how we started earlier with that word dispensation. There is a change going on in the dispensation, going from a dispensation of the law to one of grace. And this change in dispensation and how the Apostle Paul actually preached it and stood for it and suffered for it, this was the very reason that he was in jail. He says there, you know, don't feel sorry for me is the idea. I'm in prison here because for your sake, he says, for the Gentiles' sake. Because now not only is the gospel just for God's people, but he's made it clear that it's going to be for everyone. And it's not that God is making the Gentiles into Jews or the Jews into Gentiles, but something totally new, and that is the church. The very reason why he was in prison as he writes this. And if you've had opportunity, 
to study the writings of the Apostle Paul, you will know very clearly that he did not consider himself a prisoner of Rome. But who did the Apostle Paul consider himself to be a prisoner of? It was Christ. That's who he was in chains for. Paul and other apostles had received this information about the church and God, this um, wonderful plan that God had, and they're respond, responsible to teach it and to practice it. I'm going to give you one little side application at this time because when we look at what God was doing and when we look at where we are at today, we need to be very, very careful because we're saying God changes things sometimes. We need to be very, very careful of someone who is claiming that God has revealed something new to them that's changing his plan. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit cannot guide you and lead you in life, but if you are going to dictate something outside of God's word on other people, there should be all kinds of red flags that are going up. If someone is promoting a new idea that has to be added, and it's a major doctrine in their teaching, if I can use that phrase, beware of this. I remember where I was and who I was with when I heard this catchy expression. If it's new, it ain't true, and if it's new, or if it's new, it ain't true, and if it's true, it ain't new, is what the person said. Now, there's some truth in that, but listen, you can't just jump on that little catchy phrase. If it's true, it ain't new, and if it's new, it ain't true, and make that your theme, because in order for you to know what's true and what's not, you've got to know the book. You've got to get in here. And too many people are running their lives on borrowed convictions, something that somebody else said that perhaps the Bible's not crystal clear on. And so you are given the responsibility of knowing what God's word has said. God's truth is the foundation for God's church. And so we must know what it says. We must also know what it does not say. I don't want to burst your bubble, but... Cleanliness next to godliness is not in God's word. It's just not there. Do unto others as they've done to you. No, that's not in God's word. It is your responsibility to search the scriptures and to know so that you can move forward in a healthy way. Just this week, I was talking with an individual, a friend of mine, um, outside the church, and we were talking about um, actually yoga it was a topic that came up, and he mentioned to me, yeah, a lot of people are saying that this group that's going on here is just a kind of Christianity mixing in Eastern mysticism, and I've got no problem with that, and that was his philosophy, and, and that's okay for him to have that philosophy, but can I adopt that philosophy? Not if, I study, not if I've studied God's word. I'm not telling you you can't go to yoga class. I'm just telling you that if there are some things in Eastern mysticism that are trying to come through and they compete with the premacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the supremacy of the Lord Jesus Christ, guard against that. But you have to know what God's word says before you can move on in a healthy way. All right, enough of that little um, application there. I think it's interesting that Paul lists himself as the least of all the saints, okay? He's talking about ranking himself last of the applicants, but we do well to learn that God has a different criteria for judging that you and I do. 
So first of all, the recipient, God had called Paul to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Number two, let's look at the time frame of the ministry. We'll go faster through these last three. This is found in verse number five. Look at Ephesians 3, verse 5 with me. Which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Let's stop right there. So we've already said this. There was a mystery that was concealed in the Old Testament, the church, and this mystery, the church, has been revealed in the New Testament. And for those of you who love seeing those prophecies, well, I'm sorry, you're not going to find it. You can find those prophecies talking about the coming of the Messiah. You can find those prophecies from a long time ago talking about the millennial kingdom, but you will not find allusions to the church. And so we might ask the question, why does God wait until this point in time to change the plan, to bring in this dispensation? And the answer to the question, why does God wait until now, is this. It is the very wisdom of God. Our God, who knows all things and has all power and has a perfect plan, it is his very wisdom to, at this point, put in place his plan to bring glory to himself. Now, he gives us some insight as to the reasons in the last three verses that we're going to talk about today. We'll come to that in just a minute. But number three is the nature of the mystery. The nature of the mystery. And this is an explanation, and we covered this previously at the end of chapter two, but verse number six says, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So no longer are the Jews and Gentiles something separate, but in God's plan, they've been made into something new, the church. This is a summary sentence up on the screen for you of what Paul informs these Gentile believers of. God has revealed to me a great mystery, namely that both Jew and Gentiles are united in one body of Christ, and he has called me to proclaim this message. The Apostle Paul was known as the, um, the apostle to the Gentiles. And he calls the church a mystery. Now, when we talk about mystery so much, it might throw you off a little bit. So let me just give a good definition for that. Because when you think of mystery, you might be thinking of a good novel where you've got to figure out who done it at the end. Or perhaps uh, maybe a movie, a mystery movie. And that's not the idea, the way we use the word mystery today. Um, To define it better with what we're talking about here, a mystery is something previously unknown which has now been revealed. By the way, who has it been revealed to now for the first time? To us, those who are observing. It wasn't a mystery to God. This didn't sneak up on him and God saw something go on down there in Acts chapter two and said, whoa, whoa, how do I handle this? He's had a perfect plan since before this world was made. And that mystery of the church has been revealed to us at this point. And the audience of this book, as we've mentioned, mostly Gentiles. And this means that in Christ, being a Jew or being a Gentile was neither an asset nor was it a liability. But instead, both would share the riches of Christ if they had come to Jesus Christ for salvation. 
And then the final point, the reason for the mystery. The reason for the mystery. And I'm gonna ask you to hang on to that opening illustration of um, how tech savvy you are with our initials and texting, okay? The reason for the mystery is found in verses 10 through 10 through 12 here, where it says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. And then he closes with, so I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. All right, a couple reasons that are listed here of why God is doing this. The first reason is so that God's wisdom can be experienced by the church. We saw the word manifold there, this colorful plan that God has. And you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are able to view his beautiful plan, don't, don't miss this, as it unfolds not only in a church, but as it unfolds in your life. You can take a look at the past week and see things that have happened, that have taken place, and you're wondering what's going on there. And the old expression, hindsight is twenty twenty kicks in so much for the child of God because we look back and we see, oh, look what God was doing. Look how God has brought me to this place. The beauty of God's eternal plan, which is not about you, but you are a sub-story in the plan, okay? It's about his glory. Everything that's going on is to bring him glory, but we are a part of that And so one of the reasons for this mystery is so God's wisdom can be experienced by the church, those who have accepted Christ as their Savior. And then the second reason is so that God's wisdom can be exhibited to the angels. We don't talk about angels a whole lot, not too much. I think it made its way into at least one of our songs this morning. It always comes up at Christmas time, right? And also Easter but we don't focus on angels too much. And so I I think that's why this should be enjoyable for us. I know people like hearing about angels. Years ago, the church I grew up at, uh, the pastor gave out a slip to give feedback and said, if you'd like to hear a sermon on anything, just list it. And somebody wrote down angels. And so the pastor spent some time teaching on angels. We like thinking of angels. They're a little bit mysterious and um, sometimes it can be comforting. Sometimes it can be fearful. That's why the huge response that the angels gave when someone saw them in the Bible was, fear not, because they were always shaking when they saw an angel. But when it comes to our text here, I think it's interesting that God lets us in on what he's doing. This is a great picture. What's going on is God is carrying out his plan, which is perfect, which involves you. And the angels have been observing when God made the world, when God created man, when God gave man a mate, a woman, and breathed into man and woman the breath of life. The angels have been watching this, and they watched sin come into the world. And the angels, remember, they're a created being. They are not omniscient, and so they're wondering what's, God, what's, go, what's going on here with God. 
Now they know, they don't doubt God like you and I do. They know God is doing something incredible. They watched creation, they watched the fall, they watched the children of Israel uh, grow into millions, watched Jerusalem get established. They'd watched all of this. The angels who do not have all knowledge, they watched as God the Son left heaven and came down to earth in the form of a baby. Not a king, in the form of a baby. And the angels observed as Jesus Christ went to the cross and died. And they do not doubt God's plan like you and I sometimes do. They had confidence. And what the angels are able to do is they are able to observe everything that God is doing, knowing that he's going to bring glory to himself. And that's one of the reasons that we saw there that phrase that we see. And there's differing opinions on what rulers and authorities in heavenly places means, but I believe that this is God's plan for the church to be on display for the angels, revealing his wisdom and his glory to them. What are the angels learning of as they watch this new dispensation of the church? The unlimited wisdom of God and how God has brought from the very beginning when he created man, he is bringing to fruition a beautiful plan that will bring glory to himself and provide salvation to anyone. Gentile, Jew, male, female, no matter what country you live in, no matter what your background is, God's plan to bring salvation to anyone. And so let me stop and go ahead and give one more side application here. The Bible tells us that God came down to earth and he was born and he grew and he led some disciples and he taught, he proved that he was God and then Jesus Christ died on a cross. This is all part of his plan. And I want to suggest to you today that you might be involved in that plan. Very much so when God sent his son to die on a cross, Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world And it's not that everybody becomes a child of God. We have to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. Believe on him and ask him to forgive us. And this is the wonderful plan that God might have for you, even today. What can we do with this information? Well, first of all, and I I, I don't think this is a tough passage to apply for us today. I've already given given you the applications Number one, if you're taking notes, or A, be wise in how you determine your priorities for this dispensation, this mystery of the church. What do I mean by that? You need to be very, very careful in what you insist upon, the areas you insist upon. There are some things that we need to make sure we do not compromise on. I cannot compromise on this. There are other areas that people, there are, there are hills that people will die on and the Bible doesn't even talk about it. That's why it's our responsibility to be students of this word and if we want to have a church that is able to reach out, we need to make sure that we're standing on what he has said and not majoring on things that he is not clear about. Let's be careful not to insist on areas where flexibility is the best way for advancement in God's plan. And then finally, The last one here, be alert to those who are looking 
who are looking on the, on the outside looking in. Can I take you back to that opening illustration? I know, right? There are some angels that are observing what God is doing and they're not surprised, but they are in awe of God's plan. And if they could text you and when you observe something and you have that, that you see what God is doing, they might say, I know, right, in a text. And sometimes you will see something. Maybe it will be, you'll, you'll see how someone, how God saved maybe a family member or someone you've been talking to about Jesus Christ. Or maybe it will be just another extension of God's patience in your life. And if we could, we could text an angel and say, I know, right? His plan is incredible. And he is amazing. And for a, one last application to us, you need to be alert to his now, to who now is on the outside looking in. It is not the Gentiles on the outside looking in like it was with this address here, but who is it now? It is those outside the body of Christ. It is unbelievers. And God's plan to bring in this new dispensation began with a dream. Do you remember our study in the book of Acts? When Peter had that dream and there were all these animals and in the dream God said rise, kill, and eat and he said, oh, I cannot do that. Something new was happening. And the Jewish believers in Paul's day had a very low opinion of the Gentiles. And you would say, what a shame they missed it. And I would turn that right to me and I'm gonna turn it right to you And I'm going to say, make sure that you are not a steward of the love of God and the plan that he has today. Make sure that you're not one that's experienced forgiveness. And the way you handle that is by, instead of drawing other people to God and his plan, repelling others. Is this something that you've been able to observe in some Christians? That they would repel people away from the church They would repel people away from the relationship that you have with your God by how they act towards those outside the body of Christ. How should we view unbelievers who are on the outside looking in to God's plan of grace and salvation with love, with compassion? And the reason is, is because that's exactly how God approached you, with love. And with compassion, you were not two steps higher when you heard this gospel plan and accepted Christ as your Savior and others don't quite deserve it as much. Every one of us on equal footing was completely undeserving of this. And so you need to look upon others with love and compassion. So be thankful for God's plan of the church and be faithful in the place that he's put you to extend it to make it better so that we don't get into a rut. Know what God has said. Know what is important. We have not mentioned this yet in our service today, and I think it's appropriate to do so. This past week, evangelist Billy Graham passed away. I saw yet some more interviews last night on the news and individuals, I think, in his hometown area, and they were crying and weeping, and and I wondered if they really knew where he was at this point, what he was going through. And I, and I watched a wonderful interview with Franklin Graham, 
our condolences, they said right away. And Franklin Graham didn't say something like, yeah, it's been hard. What are we going to do now? He knew there was a faithful servant, and don't miss this connection, who was a steward with what God had given him. And he was faithful to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in case you did not hear, um, there was a proclamation given by the president. Thousands and thousands and thousands of flags will be flown at half mass. Listen to this. As a mark of respect for the memory of Reverend Billy Graham, I hereby order the authority by the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America, that on the day of his internment, the flag of the United States shall be flown at half-staff at the White House and upon all public buildings and grounds, at all military posts and naval stations, and on all naval vessels of the federal government in the District of Columbia and throughout the United States and its territories and possessions, possessions, until the sun set on such day. I also direct that the flag shall be flown at half-staff for the same period at all United States embassies, legations, consular offices, and other facilities abroad, including all military facilities and naval vessels and stations. I am within just touched that this is taking place in our country by someone whose main theme was Jesus Christ, crucified, buried, risen, and coming again. I do not know if there will ever be something like this of a follower of Jesus Christ whose life was given to giving out the gospel and the wonderful impact that it had. I mentioned in that interview with his son the questions that were asked. And, and I, knew, I knew before he started talking what he was going to do, Franklin Graham, he gave the clear gospel right there for everyone to hear through that broadcast anyway. The goal of Billy Graham's life was to be faithful in the place where God had him, doing his part to make a reality the plan for letting others know that they can have new life in Christ. And so I would ask you, as you are a part of God's plan of the church, something very, very new, how well are you doing at letting people know that you've experienced this love and that that love is available for anyone who will come to him? Can I suggest to you that if you are saved today, that's why you've been left in this world. You've been left in this world to be one that is shining a light a light that gives the gospel message. If you are part of one of these churches that God has given us, the blessing of the church, and we receive a whole lot from it, and we need to be pouring into it as well, but you are a steward of the grace and the love that has built the church. And God's church is going to continue until Jesus Christ comes back. But some churches are gonna have a better impact than others, and that's why you need to know what God's word says what he has said and what he has not said and what a blessing it is. Can I just say, I can stand back in awe and see what God is doing as he blesses this church as we faithfully love him and serve him. Would you bow with me in prayer?
Precious Father, it is good to see your plan. And while we do not struggle as much in our day, in our place, with this difference between Jew and Gentile, very much so, we understand that there are individuals that have not experienced your love. God, I would ask that you would allow people that are hearing this message today, if they know of your grace and your love, would you allow them to put at the top of their priority list this idea that there are some on the outside observing their life and to be a wonderful picture of what love is and patience and forgiveness in the gospel. And we thank you that you choose to use us in that way. And Heavenly Father, I would also pray if there is any here today that has never called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, that they would do so even during this time. Christ died on the cross so that we could have eternal life. And while an individual might not know all the things that go along with that, if you're working in their heart, would this be the day when they would call upon you to have new life? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, please keep them closed and bowed. I'm going to ask Ron to play through a song on the piano. This is a time for you to pray. If you're not following Jesus Christ today, this is a chance for you to turn to him. He'll forgive you. He loves you. If God has laid something else on your heart from our time in his word, you talk to God about it right now.